Well, I want to welcome all of you who are watching. My name is Brian Mowry. I'm one of the lead pastors at Walnut Hill. And just want to send my greetings to those of you in our campuses in Waterbury, in New Milford, in Derby. Also want to welcome any of you who found us online. It's just a privilege, again, to be able to share God's word with you. And today, in this brand new year, we're starting a new sermon series. But before we get to that, I thought it would be important just to share with you, or maybe even just remind you, where we're headed as a church. You might remember that four years ago, we proposed and we put forward this new vision, and that is to ignite a passion for Jesus in Connecticut, New England, and around the world. And so we've been going through this vision, really pursuing this vision. As we've been doing that, we've had a different theme year for the last three years, and this is our fourth year. You might remember our first year was Ignite Prayer and Worship. We're really calling the whole church to rededicate, recommit their lives to spending time with Jesus, worshiping him, praying, meeting with Jesus on a regular basis. This is when we put forward the first 20. We invited the whole church to, to, to really take on the challenge of the first 20, spending the first 20 minutes of your day's, day with Jesus. We still want to commit you and, and challenge you to do that. The next year was called Ignite Faith. This was a year where we spent a lot of time in the disciplines of the faith, fasting, prayer, forgiveness, all these different things, studying the word of God. It was a year pursuing, seeking God and growing in him. And we challenged each person to join a crew. That's three to five people that you meet with on a regular basis. And you pray for one another. You walk with one another. You study God's word with one another. You hold each other accountable and you grow in the Lord together. Last year, we focused on Ignite Witness. We talked about sharing Jesus with those that we love, those that we encounter as we pray, as we live, as we speak. And this year, we've been in a year that we're calling Ignite Compassion. We uh, want to be compassionate people, led by Jesus Christ. You know, our hope this year, from September of 2019 to August of 2020, our hope is that we would ignite compassion so that the whole world would experience the tangible love and hope that's offered in Jesus Christ. You might even remember that we gave a definition for compassion. That compassion is entering the suffering of others ready to help. We want to be people where our hearts break for what breaks God's heart. But it just isn't a, just a feeling, but we actually enter into people's lives ready to help. A great example of that would be the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, which is really about the love of the father. Now the prodigal son leaves, but then when he returns, it says this, that the father ran out to him. His heart broke in compassion, and he ran out and greeted his son and, and kissed him and welcomed him home. This is compassion. Our heart breaks, but then we run out to the need. We run out to the problem. We run out to face the issue of our day, ready to help, ready to step in. Our goal for this year has been to know what it means to be neighbor. We want to develop and grow in our passion for people, our love for people. And so again, I just want to invite you in to this Ignite Compassion year. You probably remember that we've been praying a prayer through this year. It's a fourfold prayer, and it starts like this. Lord, would you transform our hearts? 
But then it moves, Lord, would you give us your eyes? And then it's, Lord, would you, would you help us hear? And then it's, Lord, would you empower our hands? So the first part of the year, we've really been concentrating on, Lord, would you transform our hearts? We want the heart of God for, for others. But today, we transition to that second part of the prayer. Lord, would you give us your eyes? You see, friends, I don't know about you, but, but I want eyes to, to see others the way that God sees them. Can you, can you imagine if, if you had that kind of sight where, where you could see people the way that God sees them? This is what we're praying when we pray, Lord, give us your eyes. But, but even more than that, we, we want a heavenly vision. We, we want discernment for whenever we walk into a room, into our office places, into our homes, into our schools. We want to be able to see the activity of God. We want to be able to discern what, what God is, is doing in the room, what God is doing in the lives of people so that we can enter into the activity and the work of God. Man, I want the eyesight of Peter and John. Remember Peter and John, how they, they were walking and, and at the beautiful gate, there was this man who was unable to walk and, and he was begging once again. This is, he was doing this each and every day, but for some reason, Peter and John had, had the sight that, that in this moment, this was the moment that God wanted to heal this man. I want that kind of eyesight, that kind of vision to see the activity of God. I want the eyesight of David who against all probability saw that, that in this day, even though he was small, in this day, he was going to slay a, a giant. I want this kind of sight. I want the kind of sight that my friend Jason has. He's 35 years old and his grandmother went into an elderly home and, and Jason went to visit his grandma. Going in, he just thought he was going to visit his grandma, but as he walked in, he has a heart of compassion. His heart broke for all the different people that were there who had no visitors. He began to ask the nursing staff, you know, are there people here who, who never receive visitors? And they said, you know, there, we've got a, a, a plenty of people here who never receive any visitors. His heart broke for this, and he, he saw a need. And now Jason goes every Thursday, and he meets with those folks he prays with them. He tells stories. To some of them, he reads the Bible. With others, he plays cards. His heart broke, and he saw a need, and he began to meet that need. This is what it means to ignite compassion in our lives, that we adopt the heart of God, but we also gain the sight of Christ Jesus, that we see others the way God sees them. We also see the activity of God among us so that we can enter in. So how are we going to gain this kind of 2020 vision? How are we going to gain this kind of eyesight this year? What's it going to take? How are we going to adopt it? How will we refresh and renew our sight so that we can see the activity of God and participate in what he's doing? You know, I play the guitar, and if you're a professional guitar player, you would watch me play the guitar, and you would say, wow, he plays it incorrectly. And the reason is, is because I learned from people who didn't really know how to play. 
My roommate in college played a little bit of guitar. I watched him and I adopted his bad habits. And then I saw somebody else and I adopted their habits. And now I play all these chords the wrong way. I don't strum correctly. I can make some sound of it. I can, I can make it happen. But, but anybody who really knows what they're doing, they'd look at me and say, wow, he, he's learned completely wrong. He's not playing the instrument correctly. And why is that? It's because I didn't go to the right source. So friends, how are we going to gain this, this, this vision? How are we going to gain this kind of sight to see the activity of God, to see people the way that the Lord sees them? We need to go to the right source. We need to turn to Jesus and ask him to help us in this. We need to learn from the one who has perfect sight, perfect connection with the Father, who demonstrates and examples for us perfect vision and seeing the activity of God. You know, friends, in this year, let's not focus on trying to fix ourselves. Let's focus on fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, so often we spend the majority of our time trying to fix ourselves. Everything's me-centered, and, and, and we become the center of our universe. But instead, this year, friends, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's put him in his, his rightful place at the center of our lives. And let's learn from, from this Jesus what it means to have a heavenly eyesight, a heavenly perspective, heavenly vision for what God is doing in our world. This is what we're going to do this year. We're going to put Jesus at the center. We're going to learn directly from his words. You know, in, in your Bibles, many of your Bibles in the New Testament, the words of Jesus are in red. These are often called the red letters of Scripture. Over the next four months, we're going to focus on the words of Jesus, the red letters. That's what the sermon series is called. We're going to focus for four months on the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to ask the Lord to give us his eyes, that we might see people the way he sees them, that we might be able to, to see his activity in our world and, and join in what he's doing. And we're going to learn from the words of Jesus each and every week. And so today we start in Luke chapter 4, which is an incredible passage. There's so much here that we could learn from. These are some of the very first words of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And in these words, we learn about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. I'm entitling this sermon, This is Jesus. Because as we read these words from Jesus, we learn who he is and why he came. But first, let me give you a little bit of context because our passage today out of Luke chapter 4, as Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he shares these words, this isn't the first time that these words were shared. In fact, hundreds of years earlier, these words were shared. These same words were shared, not by Jesus, but by a prophet of God named Isaiah. A prophet is just somebody that the Lord used to be his mouthpiece. And hundreds of years earlier, just over 400 years before Jesus would say these words, the Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet says these words in a different context. Let me share the context. The first king of Israel was David. He had a son. His name was Solomon. After Solomon's death, Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel. The southern kingdom adopted the name Judah. 
both kingdoms would be overtaken and sent into exile. The northern kingdom by Assyria and the southern kingdom by Babylon. The year was 605, where the first phase of exiles left Jerusalem. That's out of the southern kingdom called Judah. They were exiled out of Jerusalem, taken captive by the Babylonians. They were held in captivity for over 50 years until finally a king of Persia named Cyrus freed them, overtook the Babylonians. And so now in about 539 BC, the people exiled back, came back, they returned back to Jerusalem in three phases. The first phase led by Zerubbabel, the second phase led by Ezra, and the third phase led by Nehemiah. Now, I want you to imagine you you were taken captive, you were in exile away from your home city, Jerusalem, for over 50 years, and now you're returning, but you're not returning to the same city. It's the same location, but this city now was destroyed. And so now you're at the doorstep of your home city, but it's destroyed. But the Lord has a word of hope for you. And he gives that word of hope to a prophet named Isaiah. And this is the words of the Lord through his prophet to this group of people who are now back in front of their city, but the city is completely destroyed. And the prophet says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. What an amazing word of hope for the people. Yeah, you're coming out of captivity into this, this city. It looks destroyed, but there's a day coming When the Lord is going to send somebody who's going to set the captives free, who's going to set the the, the oppressed free, who's going to bring sight to the blind. There's one coming. This gospel message, this this prophetic message is about a a person. You see, some took it as a prophetic word about their city. Oh, their, their city would be rebuilt. But actually, this was a prophetic word about a future hope about the restoration of something that was broken a long time ago. Not this city broken, but something that was broken at the very beginning in the garden where the presence and the fellowship with the Father was broken with his people. This is a prophetic word that's much bigger than just a city, that one day someone would be sent, anointed by God himself, to restore the failing of what took place in the garden. Now, now the people of Israel would hold on to this word for, for hundreds of years because after it was given by the prophet Isaiah, about 400 years pass. And this 400 years is a year called uh, the, the year of silence, the years of silence. For about 400 years, God didn't, didn't speak to his people. But God broke his silence when an angel came and spoke to Zechariah about the birth of, of John the Baptist. And then an angel came to Joseph and Mary and, and spoke a word about a son that would be born to them. This, this prophetic word, this, this fulfillment of prophetic words in Jesus, the child that would be born. And in 3 BC, Jesus is born. The angels announce it to the shepherds. And then in AD 27, now Jesus is a young adult and he's baptized by John the Baptist. And at his baptism, the Lord speaks. 
He says, this is my son and in him I am well pleased. And then upon him coming out of the water, as the Lord speaks, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove. It's as if Jesus in this moment is being anointed by the Spirit of God. Does this sound familiar? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. Jesus in Luke's gospel then goes into the wilderness where he's tempted by the evil one, but he overcomes the temptation of the evil one. And then in Luke chapter 4, our passage today, Jesus enters his hometown. He walks into the synagogue. Someone hands him a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah. He could have chosen any passage to read from. But in this moment, he pulls the, the scroll open and he begins to read. And this is what he reads He reads from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now the people would have been very aware of this prophetic word. Wow, this is the word that, that Isaiah gave those, those hundreds of years ago. This is a word that we're, we're holding on to. We're awaiting this Messiah, this deliverer, this savior. Yes, Jesus, we know this word well. But here's the radical statement that Jesus says just a few lines later. He says, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This thing you've been holding on to, this word you've been holding on to, about someone who was going to come who would be anointed by God to bring good news, to set the captive free, the prisoners free, to bring sight to the blind. This prophetic word, this, this hope you've held on to, it's fulfilled in me right now in this day. What a dramatic, amazing way to announce that the Messiah had come, to announce that God had come through his son, Jesus. Friends, these words are so important. These red letter words are are so important. And and I just want to use my remaining time to to tell and teach why they're so important. They're they're so important, these red letter words. First, they're so important because these red letter words, these words of Jesus here in Luke 4, they, they reveal the heart of God. This is who God is, that He's a God that wants to restore his children. He's a God who wants to bring good news. He's a God who wants to release the captives, to set the prisoners free, to bring sight to the blind. This is is our God. And I love the fact that there's actually actually a statement made here that doesn't come in the form of words, but it comes in the form of, of God's presence. You know, you can send somebody a happy birthday message in a lot of different ways. You can send a text message, hey, happy birthday, thinking of you. You can send a Facebook message, hey, happy birthday. You can send a belated birthday card. They even make those today. Or, or you can show up. You can show up in their presence and say, hey, you know what? I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Which of those ways of communicating means the most? When you show up. Every time. It has the, the greatest impact when you, when you show up and you say, hey, I was thinking of you. I want to show up. And in the Lord showing up 
in delivering this message. He didn't send somebody else. He didn't send a messenger or an angel this time. No, he came as one of us, God incarnate. And he stands there and he says, hey, I'm so committed to you. I love you so much that I'm standing here right now and I'm gonna share this passage. This is who I am. And in this day, this passage, this word is fulfilled in me. Man, this is the extent of God's love for us. These red letter words are so important because they reflect the heart of God. But secondly, these red letter words are so important because they reveal the mission of Jesus. In these words, we we know exactly why Jesus came, what he came to accomplish. In these words from Jesus, we learn his precise purpose for, for coming. We learn his mission And it's a really impressive mission statement. You know, if you were to go to a job interview, in any good job interview, you're you're going to be ready to answer lots of different questions. And one of the questions you might be asked is this one. Hey, what would you hope to accomplish if you were to get this position? And there are a lot of different ways you can answer this, a lot of good ways, but, but maybe you would say, hey, I would hope to increase revenue. If I were to acquire this position, I'd like to create a work culture where people are, are happy and dedicated to their work. I, I want to create a, a work environment that produces innovative ideas. Uh, and I, I, some kind of answer like this would, would be a good one. But, but imagine you were the interviewer and you asked this question, and then you got this response. Okay, listen, you know, what would you hope to accomplish in this position? What would be your goals? And, and then the person being interviewed said this, well, I'm going to bring good news to the poor. I'm going to release the captives. I'm going to bring sight to the blind and, and freedom to the oppressed. There'll be no more reason to worry because I'm proclaiming right now the Lord's favor here on earth. Yeah, that'd be an amazing statement, wouldn't it? But I'll tell you what would be even more amazing if that person who said that went out and did it and did it exactly. Friends, this is, this is what Jesus has done. He came and he said early on, right at the beginning of his ministry, hey, this is what I came to do. I I came to bring sight to the blind. I came to bring good news to the poor. I came to release captives. And and then he went and he fulfilled this mission exactly. He brought good news to the poor. When he says this, he he means the poor in spirit. He's not talking about the people's bank account. You think of the stories about how Jesus brought good news to the poor. People who thought they were far from God. He brought this good news. Hey, listen, no, you can have a relationship with the Lord. He met with a woman at the well who who was on her fifth husband. He says, no, 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 you're a child of God. You're welcome. Come come to this well and drink and you, you won't thirst anymore. He goes to Zacchaeus who was rich on the account of others. He changes his life. He brings good news to the poor. He released the captives. I think of the story of how Jesus went and, and this man who was full of demons and, and nobody could do anything for him. Yet Jesus comes and he releases him from being a captive, held captive by these demons in him. I think about how Jesus brought sight to the blind. Physically, he did this. I think of the story of Bartimaeus who was calling to Jesus from the crowd and And even some of the people in the crowd said, hey, you know, be quiet. Don't disturb Jesus. Yet Jesus says, hey, who's calling me? Come here. And Jesus brought sight physically to Bartimaeus. He brought sight to him spiritually as well. 
You think of even Jesus' executioner who, 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 who gained sight, this spiritual sight, this clarity after executing Jesus. He says, man, this, surely this was the Son of God. Jesus fulfilled his mission in every sense of the word. He brought freedom to the oppressed. In this passage, in these red letters, we learn the mission of Jesus. But we also learn from these red letters, and why they're so important, is that we learn from these red letters that these red letters are still Jesus' mission. It wasn't once Jesus' mission, but it's still Jesus' mission today. This is what Jesus is doing today. He's bringing good news to the poor, to those who are spiritually bankrupt, to those who are empty, to those who are longing for something more, to those who are weary. This is our Jesus. He brings good news to us. Good news to us who are longing to have relationship with God. Good news to us who are longing to escape our, our sin and our old patterns. Good news to us who, who want to escape an old life and enter into a new life. This is what Jesus still does today. I think of my, my good friend Kevin, who, man, he, he, he has an old life. And Kevin was far from God, and he was running to everything, everything under the sun for satisfaction. In the end, nothing brought satisfaction. In fact, every night he considered ending his life. But then one of his friends presented the gospel to him and shared that there was a different way, that there was a God who loved him, there was a God who created him, there was a God who had a great plan for him. There was a God who wanted to be present with him, to walk with him, to minister to him, to use him. And Kevin gave his life to Jesus, and he's a different person. He walks this planet as a different person, dramatically changed. He received the good news, and it changed his life forever. Jesus is still doing this today. He releases the captives. And, and maybe you come into this room or into one of our campuses today, and, and, and you feel like you're, you're being held captive held captive by your mistakes, held captive by your sin, held captive by your thoughts of, of who you are. You just can't escape them. You can't escape that guilt. You can't escape that, that shame. Well, Jesus today, still today, is releasing captives. I think of my friend Donna, who was held captive by her mistakes, held captive by her old past life. The things she did, the things she said, the people she hurt, the identity that she assumed, held captive. And then she met Jesus. And she cast her sins on Jesus, who died for her, to take her sins away. She felt this amazing freedom from her sins, this amazing freedom from what was holding her captive. She stepped into a new life. And now she goes about and she shares in her, her school where she works about the love of Jesus, how you can be set free. This is what Jesus still does today. He sets captives free. He brings sight to the blind. I have a friend, his name is John, and, and he didn't believe in God. He didn't even believe a God existed. And then he went through this season where he had such excruciating back pain that one of his friends said, hey, can I pray for you? And John, just because he was so desperate, he was so desperate, he would have never done this before, but he was so desperate for, for, for release of his pain. 
He allowed his friend to pray, and his friend prayed in the name of Jesus that he would be healed. And you know what? John was healed that day. It's really hard to not believe in God when you've been healed. Really hard. And so John began to ask his friend, who is this Jesus that you prayed in the name of? Who is he? Because when you prayed in the name of Jesus, man, I was healed. The Lord did something in my life. And today, John follows Jesus, fell in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's seeing the Lord in his life all the time. Jesus is still doing this today. He's bringing sight to the blind. Friends, why are these red letter words so important? Well, they're so important because these red letter words are our mission as well. Jesus is still doing this today and he's inviting us to be a part of his mission too. This is our mission. Our mission is to bring good news. Our mission is to bring release to the captives. Our mission is to bring sight to the blind. Our mission is to proclaim that the the year of God's favor is at hand. This is the call in our lives today. And friends, I want it to be known of my life that, I, that I'm, I'm bringing about this mission through the power of Jesus in my life. And I want to be telling stories of, of people who have been delivered. I want to be telling stories of people who have been set free. I want to be telling stories of people who are seeing clearly the activity of God in their life. You know, it dawned on me that this holiday season that um, I saw a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a long time. And they asked me this question, hey, how's it going? What's new? Maybe you've been asked that question too. Hey, what's new? And I got to be honest, the way I answered it was this, and maybe you've answered it this way too. I said, not much, not much. It's just this small talk. And and I I walked away from from many of these these instances, and and I finally said to myself, you know what? I'm going to forbid myself from answering that way ever again. Not much. No, no, Here, here's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for a person that if you ask me that question, you better have an hour or two on your hands for me to answer it. What's new? What's, what's happening in your life? Let me tell you what's happening in my life. Let me tell you what's new. God is working. God is moving. He's releasing captives. Man, he's setting prisoners free. He, he's giving sight to the blind. He's, he's healing people. He's restoring. He's bringing people in, into the favor of the Lord. This is what our God wants to do in and through us. So, so how do we pursue this mission? Let me give you just three things quickly. First, if we want to pursue this mission, if we want to step into the mission of Jesus, we need to ask the Lord to fill us with his spirit. We got to have the filling of the spirit. Secondly, we need to be intentional in our lives. You know, so often I create lists. Many of us create lists. What, what do I have to do today? What must I accomplish today? Uh, Friends, I want to change those lists for us this year. What if every morning you got up and you asked, Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, how do you want me to move, to to speak today? Lord, Lord, what are your plans and your purposes in my life? And all of a sudden, our checklists become God checklists, not not what do I need to accomplish, but Lord, what do you want to do in and through me? And allow the Lord to speak to you. And then the third step is, Radical obedience, saying yes to him when he calls you. You know, this is a year I believe the Lord is calling us as church to not try to fix ourselves, but to fix our eyes on Jesus. This is Jesus, how I describe him. This is Jesus. Jesus is the one who came to bring good news. Jesus is the one to to release captives. 
He's the one who brings sight to the blind. He's the one who, who releases prisoners. He's, he's the one who, when you accept him, when you step into a relationship with him, you experience the favor of the Lord in your life. This is Jesus. And friends, this is a year for us to really focus our eyes on Jesus. You know, many nights when I put my girls to sleep, I, I sing them a song, and I, I've been doing this since they were infants. And um, it's the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I just wondered if maybe you'd sing it with me. This is just the, the first verse. I'll give you the words now, and then we'll sing it. But, but maybe just through our song, through our hearts turning to him, this is our, our commitment to focus our eyes on him this year. And the words are, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So I'd like to end my time by singing this song with you in Waterbury, in New Milford, in Derby. You might even be sitting at home right now all alone watching or, or listening in your car. Would you sing it with me? Would you sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus and let this be our commitment to him, that we're gonna put him at the center of our lives, that we're gonna pursue his mission in this world. Let's sing. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. My prayer is that as you turn your eyes upon him, that you'd begin to see him move each and every day in your life and that you join in with what he's doing. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.